Dr. D here, popping in just to tell you about our friendly neighborhood painting gallery. The painting gallery with no name is a friendly painting competition to encourage accountability and participation within the greater Furious Finest community. At the end of the season, the Furious Finest patron discord will vote on two winners, who will both get prizes, and then we'll raffle out additional prizes to random participants. At season end, we'll announce all of these winners on the show and celebrate one of the best parts of the hop. This season's theme is a two-threat character. MCP, 3D printed, or marble board game, they'll all count as long as they follow this theme. To participate, take a picture of your unpainted or lightly painted model. Then paint the heck out of it. Take four photos of your freshly completed masterpiece and send us all five photos to furypainting at gmail.com by May 1st to submit your entry. Make sure your five pictures have your names on the file so we know where to send the prizes. Good luck and have fun. I speak for everyone when I say we are excited to see what you managed to paint. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast for the discussion of Marvel Christ Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm on cloud nine. At time of recording, the Oklahoma City Thunder have secured a, a playing spot the second ever 10 seed to win a game in the playing tournament wild Winning stuff. convincingly on the road josh giddy having his star making performance quite literally quite frankly impressive stuff from the youngest team in the nba jesse but uh, more so <laughs> rumble a podcast by chris i it's not far away i don't think if there was right. anyone that would listen to it i would do it but i'm i bet it would get two listeners i'd listen <laughs> you're one of two <laughs> you and my mom <laughs> Gotta love our moms. Awesome. <laughs> no, Jesse, I'm I'm super excited about MCP right now. We've got some things we're going to announce soon as far as Fury's finest uh, representation at some some big cons yep. coming up. Uh, we'll let everybody know where we're going to be soon when it's all confirmed. Uh, but moreover, I feel like MCP is kind of at a in a lull we're kind of we're kind of just simmering right now good lull good lull oh it's good good we're processing shatterpoint's really having a moment right now so Mm -hmm. you know mcp's just laid back in the cut letting letting its little brother have a little taste of the limelight but i think we're in for some big reveals soon i think we're in for a lot of summer news coming up and I don't know. It's going to be fun, man. I'm I'm excited for the future of MCP at almost all times. No, absolutely. I'm excited to see if those couple teams we're thinking might get some models this year, get models between now and those Adepticon announcements, right? Right. I'm looking at you, Spider Foes. I could definitely see something like that happening, even though it doesn't seem like foes need it at this point. <laughs> they're, they're rocking through all the tournaments right now. They are pretty good right now. It's awesome. They could use some more low threat versatility. And I think I would hope that's coming, but yeah, the game's insane right now. We are in a slight low before all the cons start for Shatterpoint arrives for mini extravaganza, probably later in the year. So yep. there's a lot of stuff. So it is a fun time for us on the show because 
we get to, you know, do stuff like we've been doing recently, return to our normal format, like with things like She-Hulk. And we kind of rounded out our Avengers discussion and we're kind of keeping this Avengers-ish flow going. And we're, we're going right into a new affiliation today, Chris, which is very exciting. Something we haven't done on the show quite yet. It's very exciting. This is, this is an affiliation that you helped put on the map. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing your insights on how to play them, how to build them. I'm also excited about telling you guys about this character you, if you're not a comics person, you genuinely just do not know much about. Absolutely. That person we're talking about today is Nicholas J. Fury Jr. Jr. That's right. Nick Fury, leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Marvel Crisis Protocol. So before we get into our discussion today, Chris, let's just get right into our sponsors. Fury's Finest is supported by Mr. Laser. Go to mr-laser.square.site for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. And Chris, we have a new sponsor to thank and promote, iWarGame. We've thrown out iWarGame a lot Yes, on the show. Inadvertently, we've talked about how much we love the iWarGame products, but you know, getting to meet in person at LVO with In Young, the owner of iWarGame, and getting to play on his mats now for some time, we can confirm they are the best marked mats for MCP in neoprene, and we highly recommend checking them out at iwargame.net. Also, he has a lot of cool MCP merch and stickers and stuff. Obviously, supplements your game. And recently, Chris and I got his dice trays and have been using them every day since we, they came in the mail. I've been rolling hot in that thing, too. <laughs> Yes, you have. And uh, the separator, we, we cannot recommend the dice tray enough. Oh, it's it has, so cool, man. It has three separators, and you can go down to just two, or you can keep it at three. I just use one. Yes, so use one that separates in two sides. So yes, you're saying it correctly, I'm saying it incorrectly. So there's two separators that can separate the dice tray into two parts or three parts. And yeah, Chris and I have both been using kind of like the one separator for two parts. Yep. But you also can use it for three parts. And I think probably the three parts probably the best for the tournament setting at a high level because what the, the separation on the dice tray means and matters is you've got a spot for your initial roll, spot for your crits, and a spot for all your rerolls and modifies. And that just helps in a super high level tournament make everything super clear. Right. For League Nights and stuff, Chris and I just been using the two spots and it's been awesome. Just roll your initial dice in the larger side, roll your crits in the smaller side, and just modify where need be it's very clear to you and your opponent and uh they also break down really easy and you can slide them right in your bag they remind me of like you know how camping is getting really into this ultralight everything is really specified it really feels like some ultralight camping it feels like i've got a chair just in my hand and i you know you you thrust the hand out and the chair just (laughs) materializes that's what this thing feels like it's so nice and but it feels good it's good quality materials the snaps are not the cheapest metal snaps he could mm, have gotten. Good point. These are really nice. I have, I'm over the moon about my war, uh, iWarGame dice tray. We know iWarGame has amazing marked mats. They have volume one out right now and volume two is coming some point in the future. So it's like, if you want to get your game reps in with marked mats, try all these new crisis out and stuff. Our War Games is a place to go. Of course, Chris, we cannot do the show with our patrons at patreon.com slash Finest. If you enjoy our show, consider supporting us and joining our Discord community through the Patreon. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we want to send a very special shout out to Matheos. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matheos. And of course, Chris, we cannot do this show without our Avenger producers. I are about to get a new name added oh, no. to the collection. 
Rusty, Dylan, Rich, Jason, Puyon, and Charles. Thank you all so much. And of course, Chris, we got to lay out the red carpet like we always do for a new Avenger. You know, Avengers come and go all the time. And when the Avengers stay, like the group we've had for some time, and then someone joins, it's pretty big for us here on the show because Avengers are like the biggest way to support our show. They're having they're having quite the run right now. This this Avengers Volume Two, Fury's Finest Edition, perfect is pretty. It's a pretty star-studded team full of heavy hitters absolutely and huge shout out to rusty and dylan who have been leading this team for a very long time you know because they have been staples of the team but chris we have a new avenger this week we have a shout out to sean J. thank you sean for joining the avengers team thank you sean and you will hear sean's name every week now dear listener all right chris let's move on to nick fury jr lore all right jesse Now, this character has not been around for a long, long time, so there's not going to be a lot here. But I do, on uh, just off the bat, I want to, you have to say, there are so many versions of Nick Fury right now. We have the original Nick Fury, who is awesome. We have Ultimate Nick Fury, who looks so much like Nick Fury Jr., because, of course, he looks like Samuel L. Jackson. Because, of course, Samuel L. Jackson is Nick Fury in the MCU. So we have... Four Nick Furies, three all look like or are uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Awesome. It gets a little confusing, but Nick Fury Jr. Nick Fury Jr. is the son of the original Nick Fury and uh, one of his agents from way back in the day. Nick Fury Jr. is a major player, albeit newer player, in the Marvel 616. He is, for the majority of his existence to the... Thus far, he has been S.H.I.E.L.D.'s top agent. Not necessarily running S.H.I.E.L.D. That's been director Maria Hill for a while through a lot of his run. But he has been kind of the, I think the James Bond. He's the 007 of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. Or when he's not running it or, you know, on the run himself. So some of the major themes you're going to get when you're reading a Nick Fury Jr. story. You're going to get a lot of family and legacy, obviously. We're going to get... A lot of identity and race. He he is a mixed race child, of course. Uh, and of course, his dad being just a major, just, su- I mean, honestly, Nick Fury is a superhero, right? Absolutely. He's got some inf- infinity formula running through his veins. He is not a super powerful one as in terms of physical strength, raw ability, but he is a superhero. He has extended life. He has slightly improved st- peak human performance, slightly improved strength, all these things. Uh, Nick Fury Jr. has inherited these things. Bonus, he doesn't have to take the Infinity Formula like his father. It is just in his body, thanks to comics. We're also going to see a lot of spy themes. We're going a lot of espionage, a lot of secrecy, a lot of a lot of trust and betrayal as well. I think those go hand in hand with espionage and secrecy. And then, of course, the ultimate theme in a Marvel superhero comic: power. And responsibility. He's a man with that, that wields great power and influence and ability. So, yeah. so when does that responsibility? When is he responsible for stopping something? When is he not? It's a very, very interesting question to explore through story. I do believe Nick Fury Jr.'s superpowers. Um, on the surface level, he doesn't really appear to have anybody. Like I mentioned, he does have the Infinity Formula coursing through his veins, so he is peak physical condition if he was in our world we are talking we're talking lebron james right we're talking guy that doesn't age 
incredibly quick, incredibly nimble, and, and meanwhile, taller, faster, stronger than you. All of it, you know, just gifted. He is also trained in espionage under Maria Hill, uh, longtime uh, Marvel 616 S.H.I.E.L.D. director, sometimes cool, sometimes very hateable. He also possesses a very special black battle uniform. Uh, he, it has a stealth mode. It has a kill mode. Both of these are going to kind of change the suit's performance. The kill mode is going to inject adrenaline. It's going to get some beta blockers in his blood. He's going to enhance his strength a little bit, uh, his shooting accuracy, all these things. And of course, stealth mode oh. is going to do all the things to keep him calm. Uh, the colors in the suit are going to go to a more muted tone. He's going to move a little bit more silent, you know, just comic book magic wizardry, but cool things that further the character. They develop the character, let you know what the character's about in a visual way on top of in an overly mm. complicated lore way. These are the reasons I love comics. Yeah, that kill mode. That's a uh... it's cool. It, you know, the the suit, you know, all the suits markings probably turn they turn like into a red pink depending on who the artist is or who the colorist is. Um and when I get my hands on Nick Fury Jr., I'm going to be painting him in kill mode. Of course. Yeah, roll those dice. I love them. Uh kill mode. Yeah, Marine Stem Pack from StarCraft. Bingo. Great job. All right, Jesse, let's talk about his first appearance in comics. It's always nice to know when a character was made, the creative team behind him. It really gives you a sense. Just think about, think back to where pop culture was in that time. It's going to give you a sense of where yeah. that char character kind of was um, distilled from, I want to say. Nick Fury Jr. first appears in comics in Battle Scars number one in January of 2012. He is created by Matt Fraction, Christopher Yost, and Colin Bunn, penciled by Scott Eaton. That is a murderer's row of modern comic comic ears, comic tears. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, I Matt Fraction, obviously, I've We've talked about him before. I've yeah. sung his praises on this pod plenty. I'm a big run. fan of Colin Bunn, of course. Yost, I'm less familiar with off the top of my head, but also, you know. I do not have an iron jaw memory. I just never have. I also think what's cool about this first appearance, Chris, is worth mentioning here because we are kind of in one of these, not quite an Angela situation with this character, but there is a lot of real world pop culture going on here. Like you talked about at the top of this segment, the ultimate universe, Nick Fury first appeared in 2001. That was the same as Jackson's inspired look and basically paved the way for 10 years for this Nick Fury to come out. Right. And really be correct. Canon. Right. So it's like, it's kind of, we're doing one of these characters today where it's like, clearly AMG went this route, 2012, but of course. They made the right call. Yeah. But it all started with that, that ultimate, ultimate The ultimate Nick Fury, I do want to stress completely different character. Mm -hmm. They could have folded him into the 616 a la Miles Morales. I think they did the right thing not doing that. I think they did the right thing only bringing Miles and his select, select, you know, importance people around him uh, the sure. miles sphere if you will it's just cool because like the art inspiring art thing you know well like, and ultimate not only nick that, fury first ultimate nick fury came before nick fury was cast as samuel yeah. l jackson it was so, purely like a, a fan casting thing they based the character on samuel l jackson because they loved samuel l jackson 100 <laughs> percent. and then samuel l jackson ends up playing the character and now we have a second character based on samuel l jackson 
who is already a character himself. Like I said, it, it, we've got it's some, so awesome. some character inception going on here. So we're going to have it's a lot of scenes of nothing but exposition and then effects that are supposed to make you forget about it. So let's move on to the character history. So Nick Fury Jr. initially born and raised as Marcus Johnson. He's raised in Atlanta, Georgia by his mother, Nia Jones. At age 18, Marcus is offered just all kinds of sports scholarships, as you might imagine. Uh, he ultimately enlists in the army, uh, serving in Iraq. He will go on to earn a degree in philosophy from the University of Georgia. Then he will rejoin the army and becomes a staff sergeant while serving in Afghanistan. He's a ranger in Afghanistan, right? So this guy is just like, man, yeah. he's perfect right now, right? High level. He's attacked by the group that is responsible for killing his mother. Yes, that's right. I haven't mentioned it yet, but every hero has to have a tragic parent death. Mm. And given that she was a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, it really made sense that there were some people after her. But of course, Marcus didn't know that yet. His, his parentage, his, his father's true identity is hidden from him. He doesn't know. He's just always known his mother. So accompanying this group is Taskmaster. Marcus will end up being saved because ta Taskmaster's here. We're now superhero. We're now superhero level, right? So yep. Captain America and S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to arrive and they're going to save Marcus Johnson. Uh, they're going to kind of bring him to a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility, debrief him, and then they're going to kind of figure out who he is. <laughs> but they're not exactly going to tell him. He's going to escape. He's going to escape. He's going to go after Taskmaster. He's going to try to grill Taskmaster for information on just what, what is going on. He doesn't even know. He's going to be saved by a mysterious hooded man. Wouldn't you know it, Jesse? It's Nick Fury Sr. Awesome. Good old pops. Marcus is going to be brought up to speed on what's going on. And Marcus and his best friend, Cheese, are going to become Nick Fury Jr. and Agent Coulson. There you go. That's right. Childhood friends with Agent Coulson. Uh, 616 Agent Coulson, mind you. Yep. So this is going to begin Fury's run in comics. Does uh, Nick Fury Sr. explain where he's been for 20 years? Well, we're going to get to that next week. Yeah, I'm setting you up. When we, but talk, yeah. when we talk about Nick Fury Sr., which I'm really excited about. Anyway. As a dad, that's my first question I have, you know. Hey, look, man, he's been on the run. Yeah. He's been maybe dead, maybe not, forgotten about, you know, just whatever. So, 2012, uh, Fury is going to, they're going to kind of shop him around, of course. Uh, we're going to see Fury and Coulson make some cameo appearances in Scarlet Spider. They're going to, go in 2013, they're going to be involved in, in the Secret Avengers uh, that's going to be more Coulson than uh, Nick Fury Jr., but that's going to be a significant run. Fury's going to bounce around for a little while, just being here and there, little snippets of his of what's going on with his story and his character development, just in the background. He is going to play a pretty major role in Civil War II. He's going to be he's going to be on the hunt for Ulysses Kane. He's going to be betrayed and he's going to fake his own death to find out kind of what's going on. And this is really Nick Fury Jr. Chan this is when he, I think this is when he kind of channels his father, channels Nick, ultimate Nick Fury. This is 
when you think of Nick Fury, even in the MCU, it is the guy that is willing to, he sees a problem and he is willing to immediately ratchet up to 10 to keep that pro- or, or do something completely drastic to nip that big problem in the bud early. And he's always got fail safes and you're going to kind of start to see that here. And, and I think it's very fitting here too, because the perpetrator in this whole thing is this, is a person known as the leader. And it's not the leader from the gamma from the Hulk world of leaders. This, this leader is a pretty short lived one, but it's the leader and the leader is trying to take over shield. So Nick Jr. is going to, as I established, fake his own death to try to get to the bottom of this, to to be able to move in the shadows Spy and really stuff. figure it out what's going on. And eventually he is going to unmask the leader in this rogue wing of shield or infiltrated wing of shield, I think is a little more accurate, as a life model decoy of none other than his father, Nick Fury Sr. Pretty wild stuff, pretty cool stuff, but you know, a pretty major involvement in Civil War II, at least a major spinoff story from it, would really kind of catapult him. He's going to be a top-ranking agent, and that is going to immediately move him into this 007 kind of category. And this next little snippet is from my top reading recommendation for the week, so I'm not going to spoil too much. But Agent Nick Fury is going to quickly meet his maybe foil in comics, which is Hydra agent Frankie Noble. And this is going to happen in the series Nick Fury. Uh, This is a 2017 series. It's pretty fun. Just a a short little, I think it's five or six issues. Fun little spy story. uh, Stories, I should say. Every every Uh issue is going to be a self-contained story. So very good. Pretty, pretty good stuff. From here, Nick will, of course, be involved in Secret Empire, and he will be around past that. But Jesse, you know, I like to leave some of the more ultra-modern things for you to go read. I I hope you have a whetted appetite for Nick Fury Jr. now. I guess we have to discuss a little bit of Nick Fury in the MCU, even though it's technically a different character. Technically a different character, but... As close as we're going to get, right? <laughs> to I mean, I guess we should save some of this for next week, too, because we have to talk about Nick Fury in the MCU from the perspective of Nick Fury Sr. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Helen Commandos as well. Well, Nick Fury, of course, is a major player in the MCU and is in the very audio and intro of this very podcast, talking about the iconic line of there was an idea to get together a group of remarkable people. And that line, that idea has permeated all of the MCU in a lot of ways, right? Because really, Nick Fury's first appearance was an Iron Man 1 in post credit scene, getting Iron Man to start help him start forming the Avengers Initiative, right? But turns out, Chris, Fury has been either in or mentioned in over 20 MCU projects at this point. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. I'm just going to touch on a couple of them, uh, his primary ones that are non-mentioned. So he was in Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, of course, he's in the post-credit scene of Thor regarding, once again, this Avengers initiative. Captain America 1, Avengers 1, he's kind of his movie in a lot of ways. Captain America the Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. Captain Marvel, he's a main character. He's also in the post credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home. And then he's mentioned in a lot of films. He's mentioned The Incredible Hulk. He's mentioned in Spider-Man No Way Home. He's mentioned Love and Thunder. He's going to be in the Marvels. 
He's also made appearances in shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he's been mentioned in shows like WandaVision, Loki, and Miss Marvel. But most importantly, perfect timing, Chris, when we're doing our S.H.I.E.L.D. series, because we're going to have a S.H.I.E.L.D.-centric series very soon, this summer, The Secret Invasion, which has Fury as the lead character, really, in a lot of ways. So we're going to have a purely Fury S.H.I.E.L.D.-based series that is not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is no longer canon or never really was canon. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have to talk about it. Right. And this is fully canon entirely. And I am super excited about Secret Invasion and kind of be a less spectacle superhero-based series and more of a spy-based series, quite honestly. I think the MCU needs to try to find that somewhere. They need to find that that Gotham PD. They tried with Falcon Winter Soldier. That powers. But you got to make it captivating. It needs to happen on the big screen. Falcon and Winter Soldier had a lot of pacing problems. You know, yeah. But I will say this latest smattering of MCU teases. I, I am more excited about the MCU than I have been in a long time. Mm. My excitement, my excitement for the MCU waned probably a year and a half, two years ago, and I, it's starting to come back, and I like that. That makes me happy. A lot of creativity happening in the MCU right now, and a lot of risks being taken, which I really appreciate. And Nick Fury's look in the Secret Invasion series coming up is—it's cool. I love it. He's, he's been in hiding. He's got the full beard. No more eye patch. He's just revealing his eye to the world, you know, his his unusable eye. And it means business in the series. And I'm really curious what this series is going to mean for S.H.I.E.L.D. and, of course, all these interactions with the scrolls and stuff and what this is going to turn out and look like. But that is Fury in the MCU. Of course, we've already mentioned, I want to mention again, played by the enigmatic Samuel Jackson, literally the fabric of this entire, honestly, initial casting of the MCU, really. Like he was, he was at the very start cast alongside RDJ and Chris Evans and all those others and kind of laid the groundwork for everything going forward, quite honestly. And I love how much S.H.I.E.L.D. content's been in the MCU. There's actually a lot. They've handled S.H.I.E.L.D. pretty well in the MCU. It is, it is kind of an agency, it is a, an instrument that can be used for good or ill. And they 100% illustrate that very well. I really am drawn to characters like Nick Fury Jr. that are kind of, they're going to do the right thing and they're going to do it to the end. That's cool. And if that means, if that means they're staring down, down their death, then they're going to dig their heels in and they're going to stare it down without fear. And that Mm. is something I really, really gravitate towards. I also think we like a feature of all the Furies really, which is this ability to not break the rules per se, but they're willing to do things to make good happen that sometimes other people will just not willing to do. Right. And that's kind of a, a feature of their characters. They're not perfect people. No, no, no Marvel character is perfect. Right. No, but I'm saying they're not even like a lawful good Captain America per se. It is, well, we do what needs to be done, protect everybody else, you know, and sometimes yeah. shield has to do not so great stuff for the greater good. And that's a slippery slope. And that's why stories like that are very, very interesting to write and to read when executed properly. Absolutely. But Chris, we got to close out our lore like we always do. And you give us some Nick Fury Jr. recommendations in comics. All right. I think we're going to go with Battle Scars from 2012. This is going to be him and Coulson's introduction to the Marvel 616. We're going to go with the uh, aforementioned Nick Fury series from 2017, as well as Secret Avengers Volume 3. Secret Avengers Volume 3, not my favorite ever run of comics. If you find yourself not liking it, just stop and don't worry about it. 
But what is very cool about this is we've got a lot of characters that are new to MCP and you're going to get an idea of them. I mean, you've even got hero Modok in this series, right? We've got Modok working for shield. So in my interest. Yeah, exactly. The art's really cool. It's a fun, it's a fun little run, but once again, if it's not for you, don't worry about it. Jesse, I think that's, I think three recommendations. I think (laughs) it's pretty good. That's pretty good. Especially for such a new character. Yes. All right, Chris, let's move on to Nick Fury and, and Marvel crisis protocol in strategy. His name is Nick Fury. His alter ego is Nicholas J. Fury Jr. He is a four threat character on his healthy side. He has a stamina of six, a move of medium on a small base, a size of two, and his defenses are very respectable. Four, three, four. On his back, Chris, he has a stamina of five, putting him at 11 health total. What are your thoughts about this four threat character? Pretty standard line. I really love the the beefed up physical and mystic defense. Yeah. And that extra health on the front, keeping extra you healthy health longer. Extra health on the front is is very nice. Uh, but I mean, he's got grunts, man. That's what I care about. He's got grunts. And you just set us up exactly perfectly, Chris, like a professional would do, to discuss the shield agents real quick. Because once again, we are talking about Nick Fury in the game, but also he has grunts with him. So we get another unit in the game. So the shield agents, we've talked about on the show before in our news deep dives on shield. So if you want more shield information, definitely dive into our shield deep dive news report. But the shield agents are a grunt character. They have a stamina of two. They have a move of medium on a medium sized base. So they're quite fast. They have a size of two. And then their defenses are ones across the board, one physical, one energy, one mystic. And let's just get right into their card. They have one singular attack. It's a physical attack called Shield Agent Pistols. It's range three, strength of four, zero power cost. It's not a good attack. Not a terrible attack. It's four It's four dice out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, better than Wong's attack, right? Because Wong yes. has this attack at range two, right? So, Poor I mean, Wong. yeah, Wong, and if Wong's at range two, he's probably in a bad spot. <laughs> 100%. And I mean, quick side note, can we get a Wong Sorcerer Supreme already? Please. Please. But closing out their card, they have a couple of innates, which are basically how they work. They have the innate Bayou Time. When this character drops an objective token, it's controlling player places on the battlefield instead of their opponent. So you're breaking a rule of when your opponent kills your shield agents, you actually get to drop the token range two anywhere you want, rather than your opponent dropping it range two, which is a game changer. And they also have the innate ability Shield Operatives. This character cannot secure objective tokens. This character does not have to pay any power, though, when interacting with civilian or asset tokens. So they cannot secure objectives, but they can pick up extracts. And then they finally have the innate ability grunts, Nick Fury, referencing the grunt rules, referencing that they can only be brought with Nick Fury, and that at any time during the game, if Nick Fury is removed from the battlefield, they're removed from the battlefield immediately. I love grunts in the game right now. Jesse, I've been saying it for a while. I think they open up so much flexibility to get an early lead in Mm -hmm. rounds one and two. There are a few things you have to watch out for while playing grunts, namely characters with like a frenzy type ability, or I mean, even, even, even your rhinos and your, and your Logans that, you know, place off of attacks because another grunts with those big bases are going to offer up a, a way for characters like that to get into your back line. If you're not careful, but if they kill the grunt, they can't play. So that exactly. is kind of a, it's like a, yeah. it's bad either way for you, but. Mm. Right. So you got to be, you just got to be careful uh, with them. But at the end of the day, I think having grunts on the board just offers you so much flexibility 
and just a little bit more utility than what other characters can bring. And I just, I love them in the meta right now. No, absolutely. I think it's obvious looking at the game and the state it's at right now where we're in this four threat renaissance. But I also think that because of this four threat renaissance, because of grunts existing in the game, we are finally at a point in the game for the first time ever, where if you don't want to bring a two threat and just load up your your list with a bunch of four threats, the math works out. And then make sure you make sure one of those four threats has a grunt. It honestly kind of makes up for your lack of a two threat, if not better sometimes. I'm looking at you, Red Skull grunts that yeah. sit on a back point like Toad would do anyways, but they didn't cost His grunts you. are insane, man. Yeah, his grunts, his grunts are, are the best. Uh, uh, amazing. It's, it's like having a Jonathan the Unstoppable that doesn't go away and comes back. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, so now you have the option of bringing a bunch of four threats in your list and kind of foregoing the two threat thing, especially if your team doesn't have a two threat, which a lot of teams don't. So it really helps you out in some ways, lets you get more creative with your four threat choices. And I think Nick Fury, which we'll get to later during my in my affiliation segment, but I think Nick Fury is a great person to slot in different places to beef up your four threats and then give you access to these grunts. I experimented with running him in Weapon X. He just doesn't quite fit what the team needs, Yeah, but I wanted to really bad. Well, we'll talk about some fun places we can play him later because I certainly have played a lot of Nick Fury at this point. We've got to move on to his attacks, Chris, because now we understand the grunts and we're going to understand the rest of this card, which coincides with grunts a lot. So I'll read his first attack real quick. It's really basic. It's a physical attack called the Fury Special. This is his pistol at range three. It's a strength of five, power cost of zero. It's a gainer. After this attack is resolved, Nick Fury gains one power. And if you get a wild, you get Pierce. Change one of the defending characters wild or blocked to a blank. This is an awesome gainer. Pierce really complements this gainer well. Being yeah. able to to flip one of those to an extra damage, you know, flip one of those defense dice into an extra damage. I wish it was on a builder and not a gainer, but you know, I'm not <laughs> complaining about gainers. The fact that you know you're going to get a power from throwing this attack is awesome. It is math you can count on, but it is a little less on the variance. 100%. Well, Chris, you mentioned that builder. You want to run us through that builder of his? Let's go. At range two, we're going to have access to tactical knife. After this attack is resolved, Nick Fury Jr. gains power equal to the damage dealt. And Jesse, this is a good one. We have two wild triggers on this one. We've got bleed and pierce. There you on go. a wild. So what do you know? I got my wish. It's just at range two and not range three. Yep. Once again, also physical. He does not have any attack variation uh, spread. So that is a weakness of his, but it is range two. It's a better attack in theory, but riskier. And I'll just yes. tell you listeners at home right now, Fury is one of the toughest characters to manage his economy in the game. He, you always want a ton of power on him. And I've gotten to a point where I just don't even tactical knife anymore because I can't take the risk of getting zero. It's like getting one is better than me getting like two on a good tactical knife attack at, or zero on a bad tactical attack. So I've just kind of like started hedging all my bets and just going to the gainer for every attack. But closing out his attacks, Chris, and his final and third attack, very cool. It's also physical called lead from the front. It's also range three, like his pistol. So now we kind of know his ranges are three and two. Keep us help help keep us established in his playstyle. The strength is seven, pretty good, and its power cost is three. But it gets better after this attack is fully resolved. So after Fury's rolled all the dice and all the damage has gone through and stuff from his attack, an allied shield agents within range three of Fury may advance short towards the target character. And notice it says may. They can just stay put if they want to. Then the shield agent character may make a pistol attack targeting that character. This attack is 
pretty amazing, Chris, because it is just 11 raw dice going to your opponent with one attack. It's action economy. It's an awesome spender. We don't normally recommend spenders on this show most of the time. Occasionally, there's ones that are standouts. And this one doesn't seem like a standout, but if you played as many Fury games as I have, you start learning that this is is a closer because it's just so many raw attacks. Mm Mm-hmm. You get to later, the grunts get better while they're in range three of Fury. They get rerolls. So now you're at this point where on Fury's turn, you can very easily start your turn with the grunts, roll four dice to your opponents twice with a reroll. So five dice essentially come to your opponents two times before Fury's even gone. And then let's say you Fury special at them one time, five more dice with a pierce going at them. And then you lead from the front because you have enough power because you got that one more power from the Fury special to pay three power, lead from the front, shoot them with seven dice, and then shoot them with four dice with the reroll again. We are just dropping buckets and buckets of raw dice and there is going to be a spike somewhere. You're going to find it. It's crazy. So I mean, really the math there is roughly, roughly 10 dice from the grunts initially five more dice from the grunts later right we talked about that's 15 dice and then you've got five dice and seven dice with fury <laughs> so we're getting to this point where it's like somewhere in the realm of 20 to 30 dice depending on what's happening with modifiers and stuff just happening on fury's turn at somebody and we know in mcp that like doing more attacks is better than doing less attacks of bigger dice typically right unless you're just an amazing character like one of these mouths or or immortal immortal hulks or things like that in the game yeah coming soon that are have these massive attacks with crazy triggers usually in mcp it's more attacks is just better it's also why i got your back on bucky is out of control because you're getting it is man getting attacks outside of your turn right which is just all action economy so it's not so much like the quantity of dice even though it's a massive part of this it's just the amount of actions you're getting out of fury's turn when he does this leap from the front does that make sense because you're, you're you're breaking the rules of the game a little bit you're doing a lot of extra attacks that you couldn't normally do absolutely I think now might be the right time to read his innate superpower here. It is Director of Shield. When an allied Shield agent character is within range three of Nick Fury Jr., it may re-roll one of its attack dice or defense dice, and Nick Fury Jr. gains one power when the allied character deals damage or suffers damage from an enemy effect. So you've got to keep them within three. Like Jesse was saying, not only are you getting re-rolls with the agents, which is huge, but that power economy, it is absolutely imperative that you have the agents out and within three for the Nick Fury Jr. power economy. No, absolutely. It's even more powerful too when your grunts have an extract and you make sure they're within three of Fury. And now you put your opponent in a a pickle essentially where it's like, yeah, you can kill my grunts, but you kill them. Fury gains a power and I move the extract closer to my team. So I win, even though you win too, you know, and there's just a lot of shield tricks going on. And that's going to be the theme of these coming weeks is tricks with shields and how they are a tricky faction for sure. They are big time. Well, speaking of shield and the yep. faction as a whole, I'm going to go ahead and move us into the affiliation leadership. Last line of defense affiliation shield. If you have fewer VPs than your opponent, the first time each round an allied character is dazed or KO'd by an enemy effect. After the effect is resolved, you score one victory point. If you have an equal number or more victory points than your opponent, when an enemy character damages an allied character with an attack, the allied character may spend one. If it does, after the attack is resolved, the allied character may advance short towards the attacking character. There's a lot going on with this leadership, Jesse. 
There is. And we dug really deep into it in our Shield Deep Dive. And once again, we're going to dig into it fairly deep now because it is one of the toughest affiliation leaderships to manage in the game. But when you manage it perfectly, you just have so much control over the battlefield. So ideally, myself and other Shield players in the, com- in the community have found out through lots of playing is that Shield likes to play down, Chris. They like mm-hmm. to play down because we've seen with Black Order how powerful it is getting two or three points extra that did not exist on the crises in the game, Correct. what that means for late game, especially in these high level games where you are only going to be two to four points apart at any given time, right? So this could swing a game in your favor. And a lot of shield players like to play down the first two or three rounds, ask questions to your opponent. Do you want to daze my models or do you want to not daze my models? Like there's a lot of interesting questions you put, put on them. And also keep in mind, grunts can score you this VP too, because they're an allied character with your team. So you could put your grunt in a precarious position, grabbing an extract, and your opponent dazes them. You get a VP, and you get to put that extract hopefully somewhere safe, force your opponent to come into the area where the extract is, and then drop all these shield dice on them from range, in theory. So it's really tough to manage, but very powerful and the best part of this leadership. The second part of this leadership, pretty cool. If you're equal or more VPs than your opponent, you get the ability to aggressive if you want to. Now, the reason this is extra powerful is we're going to be covering this in the coming weeks, but Shield is a horrendous faction when it comes to mobility and things like charge, action economy. They just frankly don't have access to any of it. There are a lot of like moving, shooting, double double shooting double moving there's never like they never get what they want because if they got what they want they would just they'd be probably too good right because they they could like move and attack if they if shield characters had charge with their guns you know it'd just Mm. be crazy yeah so they have to do things to get around their inability to chase because they cannot chase and so this helps them chase a little bit helps them get in position a little bit better and it has fun and unique synergies with splash characters, like early on where I was playing Venom and Shield a lot, right? Where it's like, yo, you attack Venom from range, he pays the power, he moves up short, and now he snacks you back with the symbiote tendrils. Right. right? So there's play with it. It can actually double stack with characters with aggressive. So I'm looking at like Sabretooth and She-Hulk and stuff. You can pay one power and double aggressive towards the opponent. It's kind of insane. So there's a lot of fun there, but that is not the power of the leadership. That's just a bonus, which is cool. It's one of those things where it's like... You do have it open to you on round one because you're tied. Yes. So I imagine it's pretty nice in some of those round one matchups to take a take a long-range ping and then say, okay, my, my bruiser is now going to move closer to you or in yeah. scoring position or whatever. It's some counterplay to other gun lines for sure in that way. Now, you did bring up a good point though, Chris, which I'm glad you brought it up. Can I make one more point about how good Sabretooth could be in Shield? And I'm talking old Sabretooth, right? Oh, 100% old Sabretooth. Okay. Yeah, Sabretooth does not have aggressive right. or the free attack outside of his activation. So you aggressive him up and they just shot at you. Suddenly, they're in untamed force range. Yeah, it's very much the Hawkeye quick shot that yeah. Vince has been doing in Shield for so long, right? Look, this this dude... This dude can spike. So yeah, man, it's pretty pretty nasty because you could no mercy it too. I don't know, dude. There's just a lot going on. No, it's really fun. I think it's definitely untapped territory. Sabretooth is good. Yeah, Sabretooth is great. But also, Chris, you did mention a valid point. That first round, it is kind of a weak round for Shield with their leadership because the second part's probably not happening right. often as being against another long-range gunline team. And then the first part is not happening at all, unfortunately, because... Round one, no one scored anything, so you don't get exactly. the first part of your leadership. So round one of shield is, ideally, you want to shoot your opponent 
And that's your goal. And if they move up and you can shoot them, you're in a good spot. Now, closing out his card, Chris, you did talk about his innate director of shield that gives the grunts rerolls and gives him power when they deal damage or suffer damage. But his last part involving grunts and his last superpower is an active superpower called call on the cavalry. Cost two, if there are no shield agents in play, place a shield agent in play within range three of Nick Fury with an activated token but it may immediately interact with one extract objective token. It is now part of your squad. Well, it's very nice, especially when Nick Fury has just tactical knifed, you know, an asset token off of someone. Sure. If they're not in play, just call them in to pick it up. You know, it's just, it just makes sense. It keeps them, it keeps the token off of Nick Fury. So it forces your opponent to answer a question. And that is, Do we want to hit the grunts for this VP? Usually they're going to have to because you force their hand. That VP is just going to kick over towards Nick or right to Nick. Uh, After they're taken out, he's going to get power to be able to call them right back in when he needs to next activation. It's just... It's just this whole, you force your character to do exactly what you want want them to do. They know that they're doing what you want them to do, but they have no choice. That's the beauty of what you can kind of force with shield and play in plays with Nick Fury honestly just just Nick Fury you could do this outside of shield and they win too uh, and taking your runs off because anytime Fury's having to pay for this over and over again it's really hurting his economy of wanting to pay for lead from the front and pay for eye in the sky and when you can't do those things this is strong this is good I mean so them getting the extract when they come in is a very powerful play but them coming in with an activated token is not good because especially because mm-hmm. they could be killed again removed from the table and then you're seeing a theme here Chris they're never getting their activation because the way grunts right. activate is they have to activate before the parent when you declare the parent is going so it's a good way to keep the agents down because four dice with the reroll over and over again into you in the game is going to do damage. It's going to really hurt. So anytime you can take them off the table and make Fury have to pay to bring them back in, it's very good. And there's some games I've had recently, Chris, where it's like they got taken off the table early and I just frankly could not afford to bring them back in the entire game because Fury had to save his power for eye in the sky and stuff. The Interesting. Whole game, you know, so it is an economy tax on him and you want to do it. <laughs> uh, also with Fury, you don't want to pick up extracts with Fury and we'll get to that later, but you just don't. So. Absolutely, as Chris said, pick him up with the grants, pick him up with somebody else, get it done. But Chris, we got to move on to his tactics cards because there's so much nuance and power with this character that we haven't even touched on yet. And we're going to start with his lesser used, but very fun tactics card, Life Model Decoy. It's shield and active, so you have to be a shield team to play this. Nick Fury may spend three power to play this card. Nick Fury gains three life model decoy tokens. Each time Nick Fury is targeted by an attack, shuffle the tokens and reveal one at random. If the token has the life model decoy on the back, you may reroll any number of the attacker's dice. If the token has the Nick Fury on the back, the attack continues as normal. At the end of the round, remove all life model decoys from the character. This is a cool card. It's thematically awesome i am super bothered by how you're spending three power and have a one in three chance of something good happening i've already talked with yeah that's like, tough to spend three power and something we're gonna get to in this series a lot shields card strain is real then just choosing five tactics cards every match is tough really tough yeah i i know that i know that life yeah so this is probably more of a kitchen table card slash a card like when you're bringing fury on these ultimate encounters and stuff like so it'd be a great card to bring if you played shield on the separation anxiety symbiote oh, man. battle right where it's like oh i've got a symbiote on fury and i'm gonna life model decoy like i'm just gonna stay around this game mm-hmm. that could be fun but it's just taking up 
space, which is a bummer. But we got to move on, Chris, to a powerful card that I think people are still trying to figure out to this day, myself included. It's called Reposition. It's unaffiliated and active, so that's great. That means you can use this on teams that Fury's on that aren't shield. Nick Fury may spend two power to play this card. If an allied shield agent is on the table, place an allied Nick Fury within range one of the allied shield agent's character. This is a teleport for Fury. You could do cool stuff. You also, Chris, could like double move the agents because they are medium base with the medium that's move, what i was thinking cross the table and quite literally reposition fury to a whole nother place keep in mind too this is not an action so fury can teleport to them and then do his two actions which is also very powerful it's great it's also a good way to like get them back together if you had to separate them turn zero turn one but also i think it's another ability to I don't know, actually chase these teams that out carousel you like the web warriors, Interesting. like, yep. like X-Men, right? This is a tool to use against those teams like X-Men and web warriors in particular, which are just going to out rotate you quite frankly with shield. Okay, Jesse, we got to bring up the one that gets me all the time. The card, the reason the you play card. Nick Fury. Yeah. I in the sky, it is un- unaffiliated. It is reactive. When an allied character is targeted by an attack, Nick Fury may spend three to play this card. The targeted character makes a short advance. If at the end of the advance, the character is outside of the attack's range or the attacker's line of sight, the attack ends. If the attacker's activation and the attack did not target multiple characters, the attacker may make another action. All that's to say is if they targeted you with a beam and there's other characters in the beam, you get out of the beam, but your other characters still take the beam, which is actually very powerful if you're wanting to save someone, right? Yes. And especially because they don't get their action back. The last part of this card, Chris, which I'll read, it's, is, yeah. is amazing. I mean, I think this card is good outside of shield affiliation. Let's be I clear. would agree. A one-time game use. Keep in mind, this card is global. There's no range restriction on it because it is eye in the sky from the helicarrier. But also, if your squad is using the shield affiliation, return this card to your available team tactics cards during the cleanup phase. This card may be played again this game. So now your goal with Fury is to play Eye in the Sky every round, round two onward, right? That you can. And this is like his best superpower, right? Is managing his economy and playing this card. And it's very hard to do the managing economy part, especially. But this card's amazing. Now, This has been the question of many form rules, questions, and all kinds of stuff. I will talk about the best feature of this card, Chris. Juggernaut moves. Juggernaut gets his extra dice proc'd, right? Mm -hmm. Juggernaut targets, let's say, Bucky. And Bucky's on my shield team. Uh I pay for eye in the sky. I move Bucky out of Juggernaut's range too. Very easy to do with the short movement template. way out of it. And now, Juggernaut does get his attack action back because he, he targeted you and it stops. It's not like you do the action. It's like, I'm targeting you, it stops. So he still has his action, but that dice proc is gone now. This is a great way Corvus to Glaive. mess up. Well, I mean, Psylocke, <laughs> she is a she is yes. a problem right now. This is a great way to, to hurt that, um, that Psylocke ability where she moves and gains more dice on her katana. Really strong against Malekith. He charges, performs ferocity right? He tries to target you with the strike. You get out of the strike. He does get his action back. So you got a free move out of it. But now the charge with the free throw after the charge is just gone. And think about, like I said them before, the characters, they get places off their attacks. This also ruins that placement. Yeah. They got to do something different now, right? So right, they have to move now, which when you're playing those characters with a range three attack that has a place after the attack is resolved, you don't want to move. So you're, you're automatically making the opponent, 
you know, you're taking away their most of most effective tactics. Yeah. I mean, this is just as powerful, if not more powerful than exceptional healing, where it's like this tool where mm-hmm. you're just like, this character will not die this round. They will do what they want to do. But also, Chris, thanks to super smart people in the community like Vince, you could do crazy combinations with this card where you can eye in the sky Hawkeye out of an attack, right? And now Hawkeye can quick shot you, right? Mm, that's fun because he was targeted, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So it's brilliant. It, there's just crazy combinations of things you can do where it's like you can sacrifice to someone behind the character that's being targeted, right? And now you can eye in the sky the sacrifice person out. Like there's just weird things you can do that take time to see the matrix with this card, but it's like the whole reason you play Fury is he rolls a lot of dice, he's got grunts which are strong, but really at the end of the day, he brings you eye in the sky. Even though I think people are playing this in their 10 when they splash Fury in teams as a one-time effect, though I think Fury's p- perfectly fine as splashed without this card. I agree. But in Shield, this is your Avengers Assemble card in Shield. This is your Wakanda Forever card in Shield. All the cards in Shield are pretty strong, very good, very fun. Some always you take often, right? But this one you take every time, no matter what. It's just how it is. And also crippling to another gun line. Yeah, it is. And it's it it, it ruined me with I was running my X Force gun gun line. Mm. It I just absolutely did. I couldn't do anything against you. Of course, I don't run the gun line anymore. I am in your <laughs> face all the time now. But yeah, so I get one character out of harm's way from the in your face stuff, which is still great. Well, like I said, a lot of the best in your face characters right now are those characters that have places on the attacks. And this completely screws that up rounds one and two. So you're slowing them down just by having having this card round two. It's I good. mean, honestly. No, it's awesome. Watch out. You know, it's Helios tech too. If you can get out of that Helios, like we've seen really it happen. Bummed. Yeah, people are really bummed and they don't know they're then they have to kind of reset their brain what to do. So this is why you're playing Fury. He brings a lot of cool stuff, but Eye in the Sky is one of the main reasons. Now let's talk about Fury's affiliations, Chris, before we close out the episode. So he's only affiliated with one team, which I absolutely love. It's yeah. Shield. Theme is right. I love that. I'm glad he's not an Avenger. Yeah, that that would get it out of makes control sense. pretty quick, right? It makes sense. But you did mention my first splash spot. I think he's a really cool piece in Sam's Avengers, you know, yeah. just an extract grabber, a, a kind of guy that brings you a little mini gun line on one side of the map. You know, he actually gets a little bit of versatility out of the Sam leadership to to help him get those double taps off, quite frankly, to get more power. Because if he's having to move a lot, he's not building power right off of that gainer. You want him to kind of plant his feet and uh, do what he needs to do. Also, man, Nick Fury loves Infinity Formula so much because he yes, needs so much correct. power. So he does not really love the cubes because they hurt, but he, he can he can love the cubes because you know it's helping with his power issues but does he love infinity formulas so much and same with his grunts so let's move on to some fun interesting places shout out to one of our patrons one absolute matt who ran this for some time and it makes perfect sense chris nick fury in mystique brotherhood oh my goodness gross. it's so strong so it's, gross it's so good i mean they're already a grab the extracts and rotate team and try not to die. Like they're really not a fighty team at all. You know, they are a rotate web warrior style team and Fury just gives them more tools to do that. That very thing, you know, grab stuff, back up, be safe, shoot guns at your opponent, maintain a secure parity, but have a massive extract lead, you know, or oh, yeah. out. That's the mystique way. So makes for a cool slot. Also mystique's deception has really cool synergy with this sort of, Pull someone into Fury, double tap them with Grants, double tap them with Fury. Lots of rerolls. They're, that's they're probably lot, going yeah. down. That's a lot of dice. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a weirdly offensive. Oh yeah, four threat, and you so don't really. Yeah, you don't really see that in his kit immediately, right? 
it takes some, true. it takes a little parsing to get there. No, absolutely. And I think he's one of those characters you could slot in a lot of different teams, but there's going to be a theme with these first recommendations I have. So he's also good in X-Men for the same reasons. Oh, yeah. There I'm sure already, he loves that automatic block, too. Yeah, the cover helps him a lot. But more importantly, like you're kind of playing X-Men like normal. And then he's playing his little mini game of like yeah. grabbing stuff and, and kind of rotating. And it's just this puzzle for your opponent where they're like, the X-Men are doing their pay to flips. And now because of Fury, he's parody on extracts or he's up on extracts, like my opponent, right? So it's just questions asking, which I really like. And X-Men getting access to grunts, as I've discussed in episodes, like my X-Men Red episode, never bad because it's just another medium base to make hops easier for your team, right? So you're getting more access to hops and more safety with hops as well. So excellent place for him. Though X-Men's four threat strain now is out of control. I mean, you could just load up your X-Men list with all the four threats in affiliation. That's mutants, period. Absolutely. I'm having I'm having a huge problem with that in, in it's Weapon a good X Force. I mean, you can run four or five four threats now easily in your list. And like I said, you can even drop a two threat and make all the math work. So he's good in these extract teams. So once again, Web Warriors, he's good. And he also brings you that once per game, really scary, like I don't want Miles to die from a mal charge, eye in the yeah. sky. Excellent. Excellent places for these objective teams. Now, where he could be really interesting is some other gunline teams like the Strucker Hydra. And the theme is kind of interesting because, you know, it's that classic like, oh, Cap was brainwashed. He's working for Hydra, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like Fury was brainwashed. Well, I mean, we all, we all, it happens through the access of access event too. You can just exactly, you know, yeah. his morality's flipped. <laughs> it just it happens. So I think he helps Hydra with their. They're not the best extract team because once again they don't have a lot of action economy either. So helping the good extracts, very cool. Now after that, it kind of starts opening up. Like, do you really just want to play him and give him places to give you more extract viability? Any like access to a grant? That's really what it is. I mean, he's not really essential in the other teams. I think he's very good. Like a team like A Force, right? Because the power yes, economy. I've, I've been thinking that this whole time, just just to help him with his power. But honestly, his power is most taxing in his own team because mm-hmm. he's playing I every turn and he's trying to play a spender every turn. So he's he needs to somehow generate six power a turn. You know what I mean? Like like five power after the power phase. Excuse me. So it's like this is the reason why I said you never pick up extracts with him, Chris. Round one, you want him to hold that power. You want to be going into round two with two power. Gotcha. Because if you don't have Eye in the Sky round two, you're not going to get it till round three. And now you've already lost a lot of your power and shield. So you never want to pick up an extract with Fury round one. You honestly want to move him up, shoot something or double move him somewhere and maybe even set him on an infinity formula or something, right? And get that power economy flowing. So any team that helps with the extract stuff, once again, that Mystique leadership is nuts for him because he can pick up an extract in that team and maintain his power, right? Because they have the Mystique first. Absolutely. So it's like any team that gives him more power is great. And any team you need an extract runner is great. So it's not really like one of those things where he has a perfect spot outside of those interesting teams at front. Just play him where you want. He's a great character, right? And he's a character that is hard to play, that encourages reps quite honestly so if Mm. you want to play him in your team play him in your team and learn him and learn the grunts and learn the ins and outs of that and even bring eye in the sky in your 10 if you're a splash team is is in this example and try to figure out the scenarios where you actually need it in your five cards right and shield you need it every time because the value is out of control but you know maybe you're playing against a web warrior team and you still want to have extract help let's say with your spider foes right and you have fury do you actually need Eye in the Sky that game? Probably not, but it's nice to have Fury to help you get more extracts and keep up on the the webs, right? Who are really good extracts, right? And still do your normal Spider-Foe stuff and put pressure on them with your big characters. So he's not bad anywhere. 
And this is not one of those situations where we're like, we're selling a character or anything. We genuinely think Fury's probably good everywhere. <laughs> it's just more, do you have room for another four threat character? That's the big question. There are a lot of good four threat characters right now. And I know a lot of folks have kind of been upset about that. But look, the thing is, we've got so many good four threats now that you just it's kind of great. Figure out what your team needs. It's more options. It's opening up play styles. I think it, it leads to a more fun game. But, you know, you do have to sit through uh, the releasing of a bunch of four threats to get there. So I understand the frustration, but it's leading to a very, very good place, folks. Well, and it's also making four threats less splash, too, right? Because yeah. we're just getting more four threats for more affiliations. So Fury will be less splash this year than he was last year, right? Because frankly, we've gotten so many more four threats to fill teams out. Though I think he could be splashing a team and it work, right? But honestly, those initial spots in Shield, Avengers, and Mystique really are standouts. And everything after that is kind of you gotta have your own unique game plan at home. And I and I think mm-hmm. you can fit your own game plan. You just need to know when he's coming out, what matchups he's coming out against, and what are you doing with him? Because turn zero is very crucial with him. He's a really hard character to set up. I believe that 100%. For all the reasons we talked about in this very episode. And also, got to place grunts too. And you got to just know exactly where they're both going. It's, it's not always easy to surmise. So he's a really cool character. It's one of those things, maybe maybe set him up and play through a couple turn ones yeah. before you play him in an actual game. Just to understand the movement styles. Perfectly said, Chris. And yeah, and I think another thing with this character is he's a leader. At the end of the day, these leader episodes, their biggest strength is always going to be their home because their leadership is built into their taxes character and their access to these tax cards on their team. So at, in the coming weeks on the primary episodes on the show, we're also going to be talking about Fury a lot because we're going to be talking about how he works with all these other shield pieces. Right. And that's why he started the shield the the shield uh mini mini series with junior lore wise it would have made more sense to start with senior but uh, we did this so the tactics would make more sense because i can make the i can i can make the lore work Mm, uh, either way but i think i really feel like framing all these tactics and all these characters through the lens of junior is really important Absolutely. And he's one of those characters like he has to live the whole game, right? Because in Shield, you have to get those eyes. Like Storm. Yeah. And you got to have your grunts all game, right? Because it's just too powerful to not have the grunts and eye in the sky all game, quite honestly. So sometimes you play Fury, you play Fury very passive, and that's okay because you are he is giving you so much for the team as a whole. You know, he's on that back infinity. It's okay. He's still playing eye in the sky every turn, right? Because you right. did not pick up that extra round one. Right. Mm. So now round two onward, he has three power from the infinity, from the power phases, and he's ready. But then you've got to somehow get some economy back. So it's cool. We're going to talk more about him in the coming weeks, and stay tuned for that. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Once again, another shout out to Sean, our new Avenger. Thank you so much, Sean. So cool, man. Of course, you can find us online several places. You can find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. If you need to email us, you can email us at furiesfinest.gmail.com. And once again, if you can leave us reviews on your favorite podcast platform of choice, it really helps us out. Though, anytime you can leave us a Spotify or Apple podcast review, that really means a lot because you guys are awesome. We have some of the highest reviews of a a miniatures gaming podcast on those platforms. And incredible. More people are finding us because you are choosing to leave us reviews. So it really helps us out. Thank you guys so much. You guys really are the best. Uh, We started this not expecting this level of success. Just 
Awesome. This is awesome. so rad. I, I, I love this show. I love this game. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our music. Like Jesse said, help spread the word. We will be around this year. We will meet you this year if you're going to these cons, right. especially in the Midwest. Stay tuned for more news and announcements on that. Jesse, where can they find you? Of course, you can find me everywhere online at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. That's Twitter, Instagram, Longshanks. And check out my new podcast, Hello There, a Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Everywhere podcasts can be found and everywhere online on social media at Hello There Cast. We're still very new. I think a lot of you haven't even heard the show yet because maybe you're just catching up on these episodes where Chris and I announced it. It's out in the world. We got a lot of good content. We got a lot of plans for the coming weeks to lead up to Shatterpoint to get you ready for the game and also to get you just more excited about Star Wars, quite frankly, which I love to do. With that last episode of Mandalorian, it's hard not to be excited about Star Wars. So and true. Just to sell you guys, I'm not on the show. I am a patron of Hello There. I am a listener of Hello There. It is an excellent show. Jesse and Amon do a great job. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. It's probably going to be Thunder. Rumble, the podcast coming very soon on Spotify. I mean, I'm not opposed. Can make it happen. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's been really fun to start Shield. I'm really looking forward to this journey in the coming weeks, Chris. We got a lot of fun planned in the lore and in the strategy. They're a unique bunch of not necessarily super, super powered individuals. And I like that a lot. It's just different for us, you know? It's more metahuman stuff, guns. I like it. And I like how I like how AMG does some subtle things with their non superpowered characters. Awesome. Like Nick Fury Jr. The fact that you said it at the end of Tactics. The fact that sometimes he just sits back on an infinity and runs the game without <laughs> rolling dice. <laughs> it's cool. It's very cool. It's very, it's very Fury, right? The theme is it's awesome. very junior. Um, the fact that he is all physical attacks, his superpowers have to do with him being the leader of an organization or the top agent in an organization. I just, they do these little things that just keep everything yeah. really, really rad. He's got some good defense dice, but he doesn't have tech no that mods. are no mods, no tech that is lowering things or, no. or making him tougher in a way that he's not in lore. It's incredibly well done. The nuances they weave in and out uh, constantly surprise me. No, absolutely. His stats are very average for a four threat and his superpowers are not very many. But the mystic, the four mystic is it's so, nice. well, it's and nice. it, it fits because he is, he is trained with, with in the, yes. in the Marvel 616, it's, it's very possible to be Widow. trained against these these mystics and these mutants with, with you can mind have control, a yeah. very self-disciplined mind that will not let them in or give them information. And it's, it's great. It's just super cool, man. They just did an excellent job with this character. Yeah. And he's so unique. We're going to be talking about him more in the coming weeks, his nuance, because it really is in these tactics cards and the eye in the sky and keeping the leadership up. And he's just a force. He's his his power is not exactly tangible from reading his card. That's strategy. what I like about him, right? Exactly. Yeah, like I said, cool. we have you have to suss it out a little bit, and yep. that's that's what's great about a show like ours. You're an mm. extremely high level shield player. You have given some extremely high level hints and tips uh, to shield play in this episode. So I hope so. I look, man. Just you talking through that brought me back to some of our games mm. and. And some of the decisions you made, and I was like, oh man, that's awesome. Now I think I want to play you on your shield again soon because I think I have a pretty effective strategy to go against you now, now that Love I it. know how it works better. But that's what, uh, that's what episodes like this are for. And man, this character rules. This character rules, definitely. So try some Nick Fury on the table. 
try some shield. And by the end of the series, I want you to have a good handle on the characters in shield. So maybe wait after the series is over and you can yeah. really dive in deep, but start trying fury. Now try him in some other teams, get a feel for him, have some fun, roll some dice, but also kind of control the battlefield through some different ways. But until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 